Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So last week, we took a look at missionary technology. Next week, uh, we will be considering World Mission Sunday. That comes more from the Catholic Church calendar, but we'll kind of take a look at uh, the global mission of God, his mission of restoration and good news and all of that. Uh, But missions, it's global, but it's also local. And uh, today, we're going to be more locally minded. Today we're going to talk about Halloween. All right. Who's heard a message on Halloween before? Not not me. So uh, Halloween is in two weeks. And so we have two weeks to think about what we are going to hear today. We are, we are going to consider the cultural event of Halloween, trick-or-treat, especially as an opportunity through the lens of redemption and being intentional. And so I think for many of us, uh, we view Halloween as a gray area. Okay, we all have different preferences and comfort levels. Perhaps we we grew up in a tradition or family or school culture where Halloween was was a no go. It's it's frowned upon that sort of thing. As a church, we do light the night, so clearly we're okay with some type of level of engagement uh, with with that. As a, as a caveat or a disclaimer here. When we approach gray areas, like we, we need to proceed with caution. Uh, gray areas can be a, a hotbed for hypocrisy because we might kind of figure out what we think about this, but then we neglect other things over here. And it's like, well, aren't those kind of the same thing? You just kind of swapped out some of the particulars. So anyways, gray areas, we want to proceed with caution. We want to navigate here uh, with uh with some, some grace. Um, I want to navigate between completely avoiding it and also completely embracing everything. Okay. So I want to be sensitive to your convictions. I want to be sensitive. As I said, we're going to proceed, proceed with caution. We're going to take a look at the history behind Halloween, take a look at some scripture, but then look at some practices that we can, 
we can engage in as good neighbors. So first off, did you know that Halloween was the church's idea? The name Halloween is short for All Hallows Eve. And throughout church history, the church would remember and, and honors those who, who died for Jesus. We call them martyrs, okay? By the time the 8th century rolls around, the, the church decided to set kind of like three days aside to honor the saints, especially, uh, and, and also recently deceased ones. So October 31st is All Hallows Eve, or, um, and, and that got shortened into the word Halloween in our English today. November 1st was All Hallows Day, or All Saints Day, and then November 2nd is All Souls Day. So you put all those three together, uh, they, they, it's a, it's a three-day event there. Now, I can't explain or endorse all of the older Catholic theology and practices that are around these days, you know, going back to the 8th century, etc. But just know that these days were the church's idea. Now, long before these holidays, these holy days came about, around the same time of the year, we're over in like Great Britain, Ireland area, Around the same time of the year, around November 1st, there was this pagan Celtic festival called Sowen. And Sowen marked the divide between summer and winter, light and dark. It was like an agricultural festival, a harvesty time of the year, a time to bring in your livestock, bring in those sheep down from the hills, bring them into the barn. It was an in-gathering. Let's get ready for, for winter months. Now, in Celtic folklore, winter is the time where the, the veil between the natural world and the spiritual world, it, it thinned. And there was more potential for spirits or fairies to cross over. Okay, this was in their, their folklore, their folk religion here. And so in the darkness of the winter months, the world was supposedly charged with more supernatural energy. Now, we can think about this. We've, we've experienced those cold winter nights, shadows, and, and you know, it's, you know our, our heads can play with us, right? And so what they would do is they would, they would just light these enormous bonfires as a form of protection. Some of them believed that this was an opportunity for your dead relatives to come visit you. And so they would set an extra place on the table just in case, you know... Uncle so-and-so, their ghost would show up. I don't know. You could be, you know, hospitality, you know, you know, feed them or something. They would wear costumes, perhaps to confuse or ward off evil spirits. Somewhere along the way, going door to door, exchanging food was also part of the, the custom. So that might start to sound like what we do for trick or treat. In my research, and this is just a very quick summary here. The scholarship around Halloween, it seems murky, okay? Um, these festivals, and it's just, there's a lot of history and a lot of changes, and there's stuff like, we're not exactly sure when things developed or when things changed or where it actually comes from. So I just wanted to put that out there. Like, scholarship even is kind of questionable of, like, what exactly is going on here. But we'll pause and ask. Should Christians participate in sowing? Okay. 
And that's probably a pretty big no. Like, yeah, probably not the best idea. Don't don't participate wholesale in sowing. But what if we could redeem parts of the festival? What if we could take some of the celebrations and give new meanings there? Well, that's what happened. The church decided to redeem some of these pagan ideas, these Celtic ideas going on. This is what happened when Christianity spread through Great Britain and Ireland and so on. The church Christianized. It redeemed. It repurposed some of the traditions around sowing. And there's a lot of um, rustic folk religion roots that are actually in our lives today that, that are no longer pagan or, or some sort of old folk religion. Okay, Christmas, right? Have you guys ever studied Christmas? Christmas, we've borrowed things from culture, repurposed it, okay? Odin's Day, Wednesday, Thor's Day, Thursday, right? So even in the days of our week, we're surrounded by this type of stuff. Um, the Olympics, today, are we running for the gods? No, we're, we're athletes and we're competing. The Olympics, you know, we, we've scrubbed away the, the old mentality that was behind like the original idea of the Olympics. We could go on. There's, there's, a, there's lots of stuff that has been borrowed, repurposed, rehashed out in culture. Bridesmaids are another one, you know? The evil spirits wanted to attack the bride, and so, you, you know, I mean, who wanted to sign up to be a bridesmaid, really, if you think about it? Like, the idea was that you would, it would be a confusing obstacle for the evil spirit. So there, there are traditions that are all around us in everyday life that we have long forgotten the roots of, of where it came from. We have borrowed stuff. We have repurposed stuff. Even how we're sitting right now in this room, sitting in pews, having a, a pulpit, like this is borrowed from Roman culture from a long time ago, okay? How this looks, what we're doing right now, isn't in the Bible, okay? Probably what's more ac- accurate is accurate is <laughs> accurate. Um, probably having a big meal together and hanging out and having fellowship and church and worship and just like, yeah, one big like one big feast together as Christians. That's, I don't know, that's probably what it looks like. But this is our modern expression. We borrowed it from Roman culture. It's, we're still using it today. Here we go. A point that needs to be made is this. The church has the ability to redeem cultural events and artifacts. And we can create new culture. The Advent wreath. I think it came from something pagan. Hey, let's, let's slap a new meaning behind it. The Christmas tree. We're not worshiping the big fir tree out in the, the wilderness. We're, we're chopping it down, bringing it in. We're, we're repurposing the Christmas tree. Something like that. We can do that. We are redeemed people with a redemptive message. And since we live in culture, we and the message we carry can influence the culture or we can just create new culture and so i'm not saying the church is entirely responsible for everything halloween related it certainly took off on its own okay one resource reported over time halloween evolved with activities like trick-or-treating carving out i think in ireland or scotland it was like a turnip which sounds miserable trying to hollow out a turnip. But eventually, like, 
here in North America, we have these things called pumpkins. Let's carve those. Way easier. Carving jack-o'-lanterns, a tradition. Festive gatherings, wearing costumes, eating treats. Okay, It developed and evolved over time. Here in America, today's version of trick-or-treat, it started to emerge in the 1920s. But really how like the modern expression of it, what we think of when, when we say trick-or-treat, that came in the 1950s. Okay, There's a lot more history and customs and practices that have developed over the years. And yes, there are modern expressions of paganism, neo-paganism, other alternative spiritual groups. You know, they, they do look to Halloween as, like, this is a day to, to do their pagan folk religion stuff today. Yes, yes, that still happens today. There are many people who participate in this cultural event. I would say, I think most people, they just want to have fun. And the reason why they do Halloween, it has nothing to do with sowing or paganism or some other religion or other spiritual thing that's out there. They just want to have fun. Okay? We were blessed to be able to go to the Phillies game the other night. And I wore a jersey. I dressed up for that game. Okay? It was an awesome game. They won, right? The next night, no shame, Jess and I went to the Taylor Swift movie. And you know what? I wore a Taylor Swift shirt. Okay? (laughs) I'm participating in cultural events. I'm engaging... Like, do I need to check my heart? Like, am I worshiping? And absolutely, you got to check that stuff. But I'm there to have fun. I want to watch some good baseball. I'm here to see a concert. I'm participating. I'm dressing up. I just want to have fun. A little kid dressing up like a potato or a princess, like getting some candy. No, that's, that's not evil, okay? But for sure, and this is where, you know, we continue to be cautious. Yeah, there are people who do want to give power to evil. They do want to give power to darkness. They're seeking that out. So at a, at a quick glance in the Bible, evil can be used as another word for sin. It's the opposite of good or a perversion of what is good. It's a contrast to God's way. In a physical sense, evil is calamity. It's disaster. It's destruction. It's trouble. In a moral sense, an ethical sense, it's, it's wickedness, badness, being wrong. Okay? The strong ethical connotations here that someone or something has the capacity to do harm. It seems evil, it operates on an individual level. You get enough individuals together, you create a body, and so there's corporate or systemic evil. And the Bible also seems to point to cosmic evil as well. That's actually where we'll jump in. For the Apostle Paul, he would actually say, you know what? This whole entire thing is evil. The whole entire present age that we live in is evil. Okay? There is just something completely wrong with the entire cosmos here. So we're going to walk through some scripture here. Uh, We're going to bounce around a lot. I have it up on the screen because we'll move quickly. 
For Paul, he is saying the whole entire evil age that we live in is evil. But the good news is this present evil age is exactly the age that Christ came to redeem and restore. In Ephesians 5.16, Paul says, the days are evil. But in Christ, we are set free from this present evil age. Galatians 1, 3 and 4, Christ came and gave himself away so that he could rescue us from the present evil age. In the middle of this evil age, we can have new life. That is the gift of new life in Jesus, resurrection life. That in the middle of the story, we can be alive. Colossians 1, Paul, another way that he describes the the present evil age, he calls it the dominion of darkness. Christ is the one who rescues us from the dominion of darkness, and he brings us into the kingdom of light. In Christ, we have redemption. In Christ, we have the forgiveness of, of sins. In Ephesians 2, we are made alive by Christ. Okay? Before we are made alive by Jesus Christ, we let the world tell us how to live. Before we walk with Christ, we walk with the world. We keep in step with Quote, the ruler of the power of the air. Okay, that's how Paul describes um, just this, this idea of like an evil authority that is over us. I don't think Paul is saying that there's spirits up in the sky, but that there is some sort of evil unseen that energizes people's disobedience, that, that holds us down. There's a, a power that is evil and it holds people dead in their offenses. And sins, okay? And yeah, this is real. This is real stuff. But the good news is God, who is rich in mercy, makes us alive in Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace. Saved by sheer grace. Held under the, the authority of the, the power of the ruler of the air, there is no way we can save ourselves. Dead things can't make themselves alive. Okay? It is by the gift of of grace. Jesus is the one who comes in and makes us alive. So once more, this is the the exact world that Jesus stepped in to save. We believe that God became human. He was born into a world of horror. A world with monsters. A world of violence and terror. Jesus entered into our story. He entered into our monstrous mess to set humanity right all the evil things that shape us jesus is shaping us back he's making us right this is what i believe my victorious good news is this that it's through the suffering and death of jesus christ on the cross that the clenching chokehold of this age is actually just cut off in the middle of this evil age we can have brand new life You know what? We don't need to be afraid. In Christ, we belong to God. To to paraphrase Galatians 4, at the right time in history, Jesus came to redeem and bring adoption papers to us. When we are spiritually adopted, the spirit of Christ is in our hearts and the spirit calls out, Abba, Father. We are no longer slaves No longer slaves to the world, slaves to sin, but we are children of God. Do you get that? 
We're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. We're no longer slaves to the powers of the world. We're not enslaved to the present evil age, but we are free and we are victorious. And we are people of hope. We are people of, of light. We are people that have resurrection life and, and this, this uh, life-giving power that, that runs through us. And that frees us to laugh in the face of fear. Ephesians 5. Bouncing around, back to Ephesians 5. We are called to live as children of light. And the fruit of the light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. And we are also to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 5. That we are to have nothing to do with the fruits of darkness. We're not supposed to be toying around with barren, unfruitful darkness. And when we, when we pray, when we ask God, dear God, deliver us from evil, are we talking about werewolves and goblins, fairies and things with teeth and claws, deliver us from evil? No, no, there is external evil, but a lot of the evil that, that we need delivered from, rescued from, it's already in here. That's what Jesus says in Matthew five nineteen. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. And you know what? Here's Paul's counsel. He says, you expose that nasty stuff to the light of Jesus. That evil fruit that is already in you, you expose that with the light of Jesus. And then we get to Ephesians chapter 6. We are to be strong in Christ and in his mighty power. We are in a spiritual battle. battle, And so we put on the full armor of God. And we stand firm, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, gospel sneaks, gospel-ready shoes, shield of faith, a helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and we pray. So can we encounter something dark on Halloween? Sure. But you know what? I don't think that's different from any other day of the week or any other experience, engagement with culture. You know, in John 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples, not that they would be taking, taken out of the world, but protected from the evil one. As Jesus has been sent, the disciples have been sent into the world too. Back to Ephesians 5, it says in verse 15, here's the warning. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. The days are evil. It's evil in Paul's day, it's evil in our day today. Okay? <laughs> But like seeing a really good deal at a store, like a really good deal. And I know some of you like to thrift, you like good deals, you love it. Like seeing a really good deal at the store, we are to make the most of special opportunities. Perhaps like Halloween. As we approach Halloween, trick-or-treat hours. As we approach anything really, we approach with caution. 
And we take special care with how we conduct ourselves. And this is where I, I think with, with scripture, with identity, with understanding of what's evil and what's not, of what's light and what's dark, like we, we need to be educated, we need to be spiritually formed, but with caution, I think we can approach the modern expression of Halloween as a redemptive opportunity. Your neighbors are going to come to your door. What a great opportunity to treat people with delight. Now, some may decide that just abstaining from Halloween is the best call. And that's, that's okay, right? Again, this is a gray area and we all map differently. However, I just want to put this nugget out there. When we abstain from things, that actually creates a new risk. What we end up saying is, that's not redeemable. As in, that's beyond the reach of the gospel. And to simply just say, hey church, we're just not going to deal with it. I don't believe that's a gospel posture. So in, in two weeks, in two weeks, trick-or-treaters are coming to your door. And side note, for many of us, we, we struggle with connecting with our neighbors. Let's be real, right? But they're actually going to come to your door. And so with Christ in our hearts, what is our gospel posture to Halloween or trick-or-treat? What are we willing to substitute and borrow and redeem from culture? What can we keep? What needs to go? What can be repurposed? Is there a new culture we can just create? And so as we proceed with, with caution, as we navigate our convictions and comfort levels, gray areas and preferences, here's a few practical things that we can do. And this is compiled by a guy named Cesar Kalinowski and a guy named Jeff Vanderselt. The first one is this. Let's, let's be prayerful. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, to work. Okay. Don't stop being biblical. The Bible is still filled with warnings about false worship. And so in prayer, we need to check our heart. Am I worshiping the Phillies? Am I worshiping Taylor Swift? Am I worshiping something dark? We, we need to ask those questions. Okay. If your neighbors are doing a goat sacrifice on their front yard and they ask you to, you know, join in the dance and stuff. And it's like, okay. We need, to, we need to be prayerful. God takes his worship very seriously. Okay? So we need to check that stuff out. And we do that through prayer. Okay? Talk it out. So have a, have a heart of prayer and, and worship towards this. Next one is be present. Be home. Any of you just like to turn off the lights? It's a good opportunity to go out on a date. You're just like, I'm just going to disappear for a couple of hours. But what if, what if we're home? What if we turn on the lights? Make your home super inviting. You know, sweep, sweep those leaves. Rake, rake, rake the leaves up. Be ready. Be intentional. Be prepared to go. If you can, maybe sit out on the porch. If it's not, you know, super awkward or something. Just be ready to, to greet people. 
Be encouraging. Compliment people. That little kids in costumes. You know what? What a great opportunity to build people up with words. Send them off well. If there's parents, introduce yourselves. Right. Get to know the other parents on the block. Maybe offer them a warm beverage, hot apple cider. I don't know. Get to know their names. Find out what street they live on. Just start to build some connections. This came from Caesar Kalinowski. He says, maybe throw a, an adults-only after-party for just the parents. <laughs> right? Maybe, maybe one parent stays home, but you know the kids are binging out on candy. And, and yeah, like, hey, parents, circle back around. We're, having, we're just going to have a little, little celebration, a little, little time just to hang out. If you do get into conversation, get to know their story. Listen for any needs that come up. Maybe you'll have an opportunity to circle back later. Be a good neighbor. Halloween can also be an opportunity to uh, teach your family, teach your kids about what is what God is like. God is good. God is generous. God's okay with having parties and having fun. The Old Testament has several celebrations and parties. Okay? Reflect. In the context of trick-or-treat, reflect on what grace is like. How can you share the light of Jesus, his warmth, as you give out candy, as you look for ways to be hospitable? Halloween is an opportunity to be generous, give out the good stuff. If you can swing it financially, you know, get the better chocolate, give out the big candy bars, or maybe invest in that really good fair trade chocolate. Can you imagine Give out the good stuff. Jesus brought out the best wine, right? Who are we following on Halloween night? So just like anything in life, (laughs) there's like a lot of mixture here. But I do believe Halloween offers this great opportunity to engage with people. And I'm sure if you ask me to like preach this again in a couple weeks, I'd probably take different angles, take a look at different things. It's a very topical message. There's a whole lot more we could talk about today. We all map differently with the roots behind this holiday. But you know, this is the culture we've been sent to reach. We don't need to be afraid. Like in Matthew 14, Jesus calls us to believe. We can get out of the boat and we can stand on the scary dark see we can believe and not doubt and not get smashed by the rolling waves of this culture we can believe and get out of the boat keeping our eyes on jesus so as a church we have organized an event over the last number of years we call it light the night it's our outdoor event during trick-or-treat hours. We, we light up Priscilla Lane. We have family-friendly decorations. We give out treats. Every volunteer there is a human lighthouse. And we shine the light of Jesus in our neighborhood. And so I invite you, if you're looking for something to do, maybe, maybe trick-or-treat doesn't really happen where you live, come on out. We'll take volunteers. But I chose today to to preach about this, to give you about two weeks to think about this. 
to think about what you're comfortable with, about, about engagement, about just brainstorming some ideas. So we would love to see you be a blessing to your own neighborhood. Or if you'd like to join us here for Light the Night, I think that would be fantastic as well. So there you go. I could probably keep going with, with this, but we'll, we'll stop there for, for now. Think about it. Pray about it. Ask the Spirit to lead you in this cultural engagement with a gospel posture. And so now we'll turn to worship. We'll turn to the one who gives life. We'll turn to the one who gives love.